Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report on a Saturday, everybody. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal, and this is a show about quantum mental investing. Armor Report stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. So what we do here is we use algorithms for our execution purposes. We put that together with a fundamental foundation, and that's the information edge I try to share with you every weekend, and it's called quantum mental investing. Um, today, what we're going to do, we're going to break this down into four um, steps, if you will. The first, we're going to talk about the general market, what I call the mechanical bull market. We're in the grind, high, uh, grind higher phase. I'm going to share with you what that means and how we're trading and investing. And we're going to talk about precious metals, right, because it's a major focus of ours and has been since the market bottomed in late March. Um, it was an eventful week, so we'll go over that a bit and what we think is going to happen next week. Then, of course, we're going to get on the cannabis couch. We have to do it, right? The number one U.S. cannabis investment in armor portfolios is grow generation. So I'm going to share with you what happened this week, how important it is, and what we think is going to happen going forward. And then we'll round it out with Q&A. So you can fill up this chat board here with all of your questions, and I'll get to them as soon as I, as soon as I wrap up my initial thoughts. We'll try to go as long as we can and, and get to all the questions. Um, don't forget, if you enjoy this, give me a thumbs up. That really helps me out on YouTube. You can subscribe to this channel right down here in the description portion. You can also subscribe to the Armor Report. It's a website I created just for you guys to dive a little deeper. If you enjoy what we do every Saturday, what you want to do is become an Armor Insider. Subscribe, and what you're going to see is that every day we share this type of information through our Armor Slack trading desk. Okay, So all day, Armor Insiders, we're on that trading desk. I'm doing morning videos to get us started so we're ready for each day. And I do in-game updates. If something important is happening, I come on, do a video, and we share it. And we share ideas, okay? Um, it's a real community, right? We all bring things to the table. And we build portfolios together. So consider joining. Right down here, you can subscribe. Um, let me just say, as usual, just the non, you know, the disclaimer, if you will, I don't know you, so I can't tell you what stocks to buy, right? All I can do is share with you the experience of 30 plus years of doing this, managing my own capital and managing capital for investors through our interactive brokers affiliation, okay? So all this information I share with you is information we use to manage assets, okay? Um, and so take it for what it is, see if you can't really learn the process of the armor investing way. It's a process. And I'm going to share that with you step-by-step step when it comes to precious metals so you can understand why we make the trades we do. And over time, if you put yourself on the right side of probabilities and statistics over and over again, if you just commit capital when reward is worth the risk, over time, your net worth will increase in a meaningful way. And that's what we're all trying to do. Okay. And that's what quantum mental vesting is all about. So let's jump in. Um, I call this the mechanical bull market. I've been calling it that since really, um, you know, the end of March, early April, but it can go back even further. It's been a mechanical bull market since the financial collapse of 2008. So what I mean by that is for those of you who are new, the market goes up and down, not because of what they taught you at university, not because what you hear on CNBC, not because what you read in Barron's. This is not why markets go up and down. The mechanical bull market means that mechanics are in control of that bull that we're riding. The mechanics are central banks. When they add liquidity, markets go higher. When they subtract liquidity, markets go lower. If we have a, a in this case, pandemic, that um, unbalances the amount of liquidity being added, the Fed has to add more, okay? So 
for those of you who are new to this, if you're a beginning investor and you think when the economy does well, the market goes up, I, I would like to stop you right there. Okay. By the time the economy does well, this market will be going down. And the reason for that is that liquidity drives asset prices. So when the economy starts to do well, the mechanics, the central bankers, will reduce liquidity. Markets will go down even though the economy is doing well. And you sit there trying to figure out why am I caught in all of these stocks, okay? So what we do here is we use quantum mental investing. We have algorithms designed for the top seven indexes that drive all of our risk decisions. The reason we do that is that we're never going to know what the Fed is doing except for in retrospect. Right? So the market will sell off, and then we'll find out later the Fed was reducing liquidity in some way. So what we have to do, what quantum mental investing is all about, are, is to use algorithms to put us on the right side of probabilities and statistics every time. Okay? So let's drill down into the S&P. I like to start there every day. This is a chart of the S&P. What you're looking at is a simple Andrews fork. Okay? And you... To create an Andrews fork, you can see you take the high and the low of a correction, you connect the two, you draw your line down the middle of where most of the action was trading on the upside, right? And then you start to draw your you know, channel lines, okay? So the Armour Report was clearly adding assets to the portfolio right here on the 29th of June. That was the day I came on and I said to you guys, we are risk on across the board. In the next five days, you want to put as much capital to work as you can, because you want to put as much capital to work as you can closest to the stop. And I want you to think about this for a minute, because I'm going to share the same information on gold and silver in a second. So just look at what we did here. Let's blow it up. Okay. The market had a huge down day on June 11th, okay? Never took out that low, set up a double bottom right on key support, the 50 to 200 day moving average. We got a risk on buy signal here where all seven indexes, and we have proprietary algorithms written for the S&P, the NASDAQ 100, the Dow, the small cap index, the IBD 50, FFTY, the momentum index, MTUM, and the value, VLUE, those seven drive all of our risk decisions and really, quite frankly, cover the whole market. When we get confluence across the board, when all seven tell us it's time to put money to work, it's a signal that institutional capital is being put to work. And our job is to put our capital to work when the elephants in the room start to stampede. That's our job. Okay? So we have five days to put capital to work. And as you notice, one, two, three, four, five. And this was incredible. I mean, it doesn't always work this way. But for five days in a row, the market went straight up, which is usually typical of a good risk-on entry point. But it doesn't usually go up exactly five days in a row like it did here. Okay? Then on this day, the 7th, we go to risk monitor yellow. So for all of you Armour Insiders, subscribers, you're aware that we have a risk monitor page on our website. And all it does is tell you what stage we're in. Are we risk monitor red, which is complete risk off, green, which is aggressive risk on, or yellow, which is the managed success mode? Once it goes yellow, you're not committing new capital. What you're doing is managing success. You're booking profits at targets. If you get stopped out on an investment, you've got cash that you can reinvest in something else, and you ride the mechanical bull. So the question we have here is today that we want to answer, is this a grind higher market? You see, back here on the 7th, I said to you guys, I think what we're going to enter now is the grind higher mode. And this is precisely what the market's doing. So let me just share with you some thoughts on what grind higher means. First of all, it means volatility declines. Okay? And so take a look at VIX just to give you an example. 
Okay, so as we see a grind higher mode for the S&P, we see this complete downtrend in volatility. This is the grind higher mode in the S&P. Volatility is almost non-existent. Okay, so that's, that's kind of step one of the grind higher mode. You can see volatility get locked in a downtrend. What it also means are day trading profits are a lot harder to capture, okay? So typically, we like to, on our trading desk, and I share this with Armor Insiders under our Slack you know, trading channel that we call hedging slash day trading. Every time I get in there and I'm buying or selling the indexes for a day trade, I'll let you guys know. So you've noticed, perhaps, that in the last week or two, I don't have a lot to say in that in that channel. I don't share a lot of trades. And it's because when you grind higher, there just isn't a lot of money to be made day trading indexes. Now, you could day trade individual stocks. You can find a lot of volatility. That's a different conversation. When we have a risk monitor red signal where we're all cash, that means volatility is high. And I'm day trading all day, long and short, sometimes both directions in the same day. Okay, we made a lot of money February and March doing that. But you have to recognize when you're in a different type of market environment so that you don't um, grind away your profits trying to squeeze water from a stone. Now's the time to be an investor, not a day trader of indexes. And so that's another piece to this puzzle. Okay, so this is a grind higher mode. Day trading average is harder to go by, uh, come by. Now, here's the other thing. Okay. In a grind higher mode, we tend to see crazy Ivans. I call them crazy Ivans. Anybody who's watched, um, anybody who's watched Hunt for Red October, you know what this is, a crazy Ivan. Okay. Crazy Ivan means, and I linked it, I gave you a link there so you can click on it and see this scene in, um, uh, in the Hunt for Red October. But it means that you know, when you're hunting, in this case, um, in the movie, they're hunting a, a submarine. And you know, periodically, for no apparent reason, the Russian submarine turns around to check to see who's behind them before they turn back around and go the other way. It's just a crazy eye. It turns around all of a sudden to take a look. Okay? So what I'm saying is, in a grind higher market, it seems like every day there's a crazy Ivan. And it looks something like this. Okay, this is a day trading chart now of the S&P. I'm just going to show you what went on yesterday. Okay, here's Friday. So the market opens lower, trades higher most of the day. So we haven't had the crazy Ivan yet. Okay, and then all of a sudden, for no reason at 2 o'clock, and it usually lasts for an hour, but it can last longer than that. In this case, it lasted for an hour and a half. The market just sells off, just sells straight off for no reason. I mean, don't tell me it had something to do with Trump and you know, stimulus packages or whatever. It doesn't make a difference. There'll be a piece of news that drops and the market goes and shakes out the weak holders only could close higher. And so if you look at the whole day, the market's really done nothing all day. It's grinding, right? It closes above the VWAP. That's that black line right here. Okay, it'll close above the VWAP, but that's it. Just a quiet day. This green line is the opening range high, red line's opening range low. So what the, what the S&P basically did was trade around the opening range and close a little bit above the opening range high. This is why it's not a great day trading type of, act, of, of, of market. Okay? And so you'll see these crazy Ivans throughout, uh, throughout the trading session. You know, um, trying to come up with just, you know, other obvious examples. Well, this was a real sell-off into the close. I mean, sometimes that happens, okay? But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything, right? The very next day, the market's higher. So this is a crazy Ivan, right? This happened from basically 2.30 to 4, like sell-off right to the close. And so you might think to yourself, uh-oh, market's going to go down big tomorrow. Instead, it gaps up the next day and trades higher all day, okay? So you get these hour to two-hour sell-offs for no apparent reason, but what I submit to you is in a grinding higher market, by the end of the week, it looks like this. The weekly bars keep going higher. And that's the, that's the essence of a grinding higher market. It self-corrects. 
during the week. It has some wicked sell-offs, right, to get rid of the weak holders. And by the end of the week, it's another blue bar as it's making new highs. As long as that continues, we stay with the trend. Okay? So that's the trend that we're looking at. My other two thoughts about a grind higher mark of this. Profits are going to come at a slower pace, guys. Okay? When you're in a grind higher market like that, it's not the same as a new risk on entry point after a market crash where our portfolio exploded higher in April, May, June, okay? Now we're getting back into a more normal market that grinds higher with volatility down. So that means you got to be more patient. you got to pick and choose your spots. It also means that we're going to see, statistically speaking, when we add new names to a portfolio, we're going to see a lower success rate in a grind higher market. What I mean by that is quantum mental investing is all about statistics and probabilities. In late March, early April, if we put 10 stocks in a portfolio, we made money on nine of them, okay, which was not normal. And it happened in April and it happened in May. And I kept saying to you guys, this is not going to continue. This, the statistics don't make sense right now, okay? It's wonderful and we're making a killing, but there'll be a time when we get back to a normal market. And this is why I tried to explain to you guys a couple of weeks ago where we've entered the grind higher phase. So we put 10 new stocks in a portfolio today you might just make money on five out of 10. Five might hit stops and the other five will make you money. Now, I know this sounds crazy, but anybody writing an algorithm to trade the market, if you write an algorithm that's only right three out of 10 times, that algorithm can still have a profit factor of above one, which means you're making money. It's because you're cutting losses correctly, and that's the key. You've got to find the right spot, the optimal spot to cut losses, and then you ride your successes as long as possible, okay? So what I'm saying is now, don't be discouraged if you put a couple trades on and you get stopped out of a couple pretty quick, and you say, hey, that didn't happen to me a couple months ago. It's because we're in a grind higher market. You keep at it, and you'll uncover the new names that work. Those names will keep going. And you'll just have to recycle a couple times to get yourself into the right um, um, statistical category for your net worth to grow. Okay, so if you've got new money and you're just now putting money to work because you missed the whole run for whatever reasons, it's okay. I'm just saying you have to expect a different response now. Okay, so those are my thoughts on the stock market. I believe the market will keep going higher. I know people said to me, in the Slack room this week, a lot of insiders were concerned about the bond market, okay? So there's a pretty nasty weekly decline in LQD. And it's true. Equities follow debt. If this turns out to be another weekly decline, we're probably going to see equity go down, okay? But one week doesn't change my opinion. What's happened is this, this LQD has come right down to the 50-day moving average. If it holds there, hey, might go higher. Now, it's true. The last time we had a sell-off like this, well, that was actually May. Well, that didn't do anything. The market kept on going. I thought that was in June. No, we didn't. Yeah. So, look, guys, it really doesn't mean a whole lot. I think maybe I was thinking of treasuries. Take a look at treasuries, TLT. Here we go. Treasuries sold off in June, right? And then the market collapsed on June 8th. That was right around a Fed meeting, though. So what I see here in treasuries is really just trading within a range. I know there was a lot of new issuance this week, so it put pressure on treasuries. But when the Fed's adding liquidity and the Fed says they're going to backstop bond market, it's very hard for me to start coming up with, you know, um, a preemptive reason to sell your equity portfolio because bonds are down. We don't know what the Fed's going to do. Okay, so it doesn't work like it used to. This is the high yield debt market. There's nothing wrong with that. Just pulling back to the moving averages. We were able to make this call back in February because the Fed had not said 
that they were going to buy all types of corporate bonds and support the market. And so when the bond market started to break down, we were able to say, hey, guys, something's wrong here, and we have to get tighter on our stops. Okay? So anyway, those are my thoughts on bonds. Now, let's uh, move on to precious metals real quick. Okay? Take a look at SLV. We're going to start there. We all knew this week was going to have to come. Okay? It's not fun. We didn't enjoy it. But nothing goes up in a straight line. If you were part of the Armor uh, Insider Slack room, you know that we were, we were selling our AGQ position right up here. We booked that profit. Why? We booked it because it was five standard deviations above the 200-day moving average. Okay? And whenever we get up there, we know it's a good idea to book some profits. Okay, so then the asset collapsed, right? So we booked some profits up here. And by the way, we said if you wanted to, if you're an aggressive trader, you're going to add the profits that you booked here. You're going to roll them into the, uh, the, the mining stocks. Okay, that didn't work, right? The mining stocks went lower. But that's only for very aggressive traders. For the majority of the armor portfolios that we're managing, we booked some profits, okay, on AGQ right at the top, right at the top simply because we use the five standard deviation line on AGQ as a place to book profits. So what do we think is going to happen going forward? This is what I wanted to share with you. Okay. We were buying on this day here, the 13th. And let's look at GDX. We were adding to our precious metals positions. Okay, whatever we had sold up here and reduced position sizes up here, which we discussed in the Slack chat room, we said, look, if we're booking profits in AGQ, you may want to reduce exposure to a certain degree. And that's, I leave those decisions up to Armor Insiders. I don't tell you guys how to manage your success. I'll share with you targets that we're booking profits at, and I'll share with you the stops that we're using when we're 100% out of a trade. But how you handle your position depends on you. I never know the size of your positions, right? So if you're overextended, you're booking some profits here. If you have a normal position size on, you're not doing anything. The stock sold off. It comes right to the 50-day. There's nothing wrong with that. So we're adding stocks right in here on the 12th, the day after the collapse. Okay? So the question is why we do that. And this is what I want to share with you today. Okay? The Armour Investing Way is about focusing on process and getting rid of fear and greed. And the process for us is to buy weakness in the midst of strength. Okay? So let me show you something. Let's look at the S&P real quick. Those of you who are in the Slack room, remember on this day, the 15th, I came out and said this day on the 15th that we were doubling every position that was still in the armor portfolios. Okay. So we had a big, first of all, we sold part of our portfolio out right up here. That was in front of the fed meeting. You all remember that. Then the market was down 7% in one day, big indexes, right? And what we said was two days later, any stock that did not get stopped out of the portfolio, any stock, that stayed above its stop, we were going to double the position size. Okay? And then, of course, those investments paid off huge. We were doubling things like Chegg and Lavongo and, and Splunk and Spotify, all of those names that skyrocketed. Okay? Why did we do that? And why are we willing to do that here in precious metal stocks? Because it seems like a very difficult and dangerous thing to do. The market had collapsed in one day after the Fed meeting. Who wants to buy stocks, right? Gold was down $150 in like 48 hours. Why would I want to buy gold stocks? Silver, you know, collapsed. Something like, I don't know what the percentage was, some 20% or something. Why would I want to do that? It's not because I know what's going to happen next. I don't. It's because I follow 
the Armor Investing Way process that I'm trying to share with you guys. We put blinders on. We don't let fear or greed take over. And this is what we say. We buy weakness in the midst of strength. It starts with a weekly chart. It doesn't get stronger than that uptrend. Okay, this is a massive uptrend. We then go to the daily chart and we look for weakness. Well, there's the weakness. Bang, right down to the 50-day moving average. We look for weakness to a location that's important. In this case, the 50-day moving average equals the uptrend line going all the way back to the beginning of this bull run. That's the correct location to put a position on. And then what we look for is top day strength, which means the day we're buying, the asset is up. And then here's the last piece I'll share with you. This is key. Our job, the way we see it, is to put the most amount of capital to work closest to the stop. I don't care if I lose money on this trade. I want to keep my losses small. So the best thing to do is buy it closest to the stop, not when it runs for three or four days and I'm reaching and then it starts going down. And now where's my stop supposed to be? Okay. So that's why we were adding stocks last week. Yes. I think gold and silver are going higher. I'm not going to go into it a, a lot today because we don't have much time left on this conversation. I've already gone half an hour. Sorry. I haven't even gotten to grow, grow gen. We're going to get to that in a minute, but I will say that, um, I don't think anything is stopping the gold and silver rally. I don't know if they go down next week. They may. And I might get stopped out of these positions for now. And that's okay. We'll book profits. Okay. And we'll look to reinvest later at a different time. But if it holds here and it rips higher, that will be a classic entry point following the armor investing way, which is to buy weakness in the midst of strength. That's why we did it. Okay. Um, let me rip through this uh, grow gen and then I'll get to your questions. Okay. There is a little bit of, you know, a chart centerfold for you. You can, you can blow this up, put it above your trading desk and stare at it. Okay. It doesn't get better than this. Let's just have some fun, right? Let's have some fun for a minute and go over this. Okay. For those of you who don't know, we originally added GrowGen to the portfolio at $3.51. This was on the 8th of April. I wasn't really willing to talk to everybody on YouTube about GrowGen in our portfolios because I don't ever want to be the guy who's promoting stocks that are micro cap or small cap. Okay. If you want to know those stocks that I'm buying, become an armored insider and I'll share it with you. Okay. But I did say, I did let you all know that this was an important stock, I thought, right? And um, as Armor Insiders can attest, we talked about the secondary offering and how important that was to this company. Because the secondary offering was bringing in institutional investors and an investment bank. An investment bank is important to getting the story out. And in this case, it's Oppenheimer. The deal was priced at $5.60. Notice how it never went below $6. That's a tell, people. That's a tell. Remember this. Write it down. When you see a secondary that gets nowhere near the secondary price, it tells you that there is a lot of demand for the asset. Okay? Then we had a secondary entry point on the 14th, literally at $7.14, as it broke the downtrend. And then, of course, the stock was up over 50% in two days this week. So I'm going to share with you now why this stock is up so much, why we've called it from the beginning. I've said this is the single best way to play the U.S. cannabis market, the single best way. And I'm here to tell you it's going to only get better. Now, Let's, let's, let's take a moment here and separate the two thoughts. On the one hand, the stock is now trading five standard deviations above the 200-day moving average, and you know what that means, okay? So if you are a <clears throat> swing trader, short-term investor, hey, man, 
have at it. You want to book profits? Go for it. Okay? I am not telling you what to do with your grow, grow jet. Okay? You do whatever you want. I'm going to share with you what I'm doing my grow jet. But please do whatever you want. There is nothing wrong with booking some profits when you're up 50% in two days on a stock. Okay? Having said that, I'm going to share with you the fundamental story now so you can grasp the magnitude of what just happened last week. Okay? Um, first of all, we, I think we all agree on this channel that there's a massive opportunity in U.S. cannabis. The U.S. cannabis business is exploding. And so some of you might say, well, what about True Leaf? What about Cure Leaf? What about Cresco? What about Green Thumb? Hey, man, I love them. I love the U.S. MSOs. Okay? As a fiduciary, and from my own personal account, I don't have a lot of interest in owning those stocks right now. As a fiduciary, I really can't do it. Right? I, mean, I really can't say to somebody, go buy a stock that trades on the Canadian Stock Exchange, which is like the wild, wild west. Okay? The rules and regulations to trade on the exchange are minimal compared to the U.S. exchanges, the NASDAQ, the New York Stock Exchange, okay? I have always said as an armor investing way process, we want to put our capital to work in front of the elephants that start stampeding, which are institutions, okay? Institutions aren't buying the U.S. MSOs. In, now I'm not saying there aren't some institutions. I'm talking about the massive amount of capital, Okay. The capital structure of the market is an upside-down pyramid. Small, mini, micro-cap is down here, only accessing a small portion of investable capital, okay? Large, big-cap stocks, right, access the top tier, the biggest amount of institutional capital, institutions being pension plans, endowment funds, hedge funds, all these types of things, Okay. So our job is to get on, a, on the asset that starts climbing up that inverse pyramid. There's nothing wrong with owning the U.S. MSOs. I get it. Okay, I get it. They've been, they're up a lot in the last couple of months, and I'm glad for all you guys that have made money. So I'm not telling you not to do it. Have at it. Good for you. But when I say this is my favorite U.S. cannabis investment play, here's the reason why. Unlike the U.S. MSOs, don't forget also, there's two things about the U.S. MSOs that you got to remember. If you've made a lot of money recently, please remember this. These companies are desperate for cash. They have a hard time raising cash. They don't have investment banks that work with them. Banks won't work with them. Whenever they do a debt deal, it's at onerous rates. right? So what they do is equity deals. And when more shares come out, stock prices go down. Okay? So you have to remember that. You could trade these names, but you have to remember that until things change on the federal level, they're stuck in this strange vortex where business is booming, things go, go great, then they have to raise capital, right, which puts more supply in the market, usually drives the asset down. It drives it down because there's no big institutions buying a bunch of stock. Also, the U.S. MSOs trade and do business under an onerous tax burden. The IRS Schedule 280E, it's ridiculous. So I can, this is opportunity cost of money. I can buy a US MSO or I can buy Grow Generation, the company that supplies all the US MSOs. I say all. I mean, they're in the process of signing up. They have 700 commercial customers now and growing. So it's just, it's just for me, it's, a, it's an investment from a research standpoint. I want it. I want to attack and own the U.S. cannabis space. We all agree. It's booming. But I don't have a lot of interest in buying something on the CSC that institutions can't support. I don't have a lot of interest in buying something that, that pays ridiculous tax rates. I don't have a lot of interest in buying something that needs to put equity out into the market to raise capital to capture this incredible growth. Okay. There are even some clearinghouses or brokerage firms that won't let you own the U.S. MSOs. Think about that. From that upside-down pyramid of capital, there's a whole bunch of capital trying to get into 
the U.S. cannabis market. And they can't buy the U.S. MSOs. Merrill Lynch, Bank of New York Mellon, Pershing, a whole bunch of these. They, they won't let your account own it. So for all that capital that wants to get into U.S. cannabis and can't own the MSOs, what are their choices? Their choice is grow generation. And that's the dinner bell you heard ringing this week that put the stock up 50%. I was literally listening to the conference call and in the Armor Insider Slack room, I was telling our insiders what I was thinking about the call. And I literally wrote in the 30 plus years of me doing this, of me managing capital and listening to conference calls, I have never heard a call better than the call I'm on right now. And I know it sounds like hyperbole, but it isn't. Here's the reason why. In every gold rush, in this case, a green rush, there's a dominant company that supplies the resources for all the other companies out there trying to grab gold, right? There's always a dominant player who picks and the axes. So if you think about it, in a gold rush, a lot of people went out to find gold and found nothing, but they all had to spend money on a pick and an axe, right? So the pick and the axe guys made a fortune. No matter, it doesn't matter if MedMen goes bankrupt. It doesn't matter if this US MSO goes bankrupt. It doesn't make a difference. Okay, the guy supplying this market, that's the stock to own, in my opinion. And this is the number one guy supplying this market. Okay, so um, here are some things I heard on the call that are important. These are things that analysts absolutely love. All right, take a look at this chart again. See that stock? Okay. Analysts and institutions love to hear an online sales ramping story. And in this case, the CEO said online business increased 140%. Okay. The story I was looking for, like I was saying, I was looking for, is this going to be the quarter where Grogen expands its US MSO business? I want to see them supplying the MSOs. In that case, I don't have to necessarily own an MSO. I just have to own this stock because they're supplying the guys who are exploding in revenue. And yet Grogen doesn't pay onerous taxes. They pay normal rates of taxes. Grogen doesn't trade on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Trades right here in the U.S. Grogen has an investment banker. You see what I'm saying? So in this last earnings announcement, they added 167 commercial customers from Q1 to Q2, and they're up to 700 now and growing. That's what I was looking for. Um, another thing that you, you know, analysts on Wall Street institutions love is a margin expansion story. And so they talked about GrowGen, about how they're shipping over $100,000 a month now in their, um, um, what do you call it, their private label business, which carries higher margins. So over time, as that business grows, it'll drive margin expansion. And then this was, you know, I'm just sharing this with you because I've been doing this for a long time and, and, and I've been on other trades like this. Wall Street absolutely loves a roll-up story, which is like a retail, a retail opening story. Think about, think about owning Starbucks when they first started to open shops. It's really simple for an analyst to figure out growth projections and then come up with um, future um, expectations of growth and put a multiple on it and come up with price targets, right? So Starbucks opened a bunch of stores, maybe 20 stores. They figure out what the average revenue is for each store. And then they tell analysts, we're going to open uh, 100 stores in the next two years, right? And it's simple. The street loves that. And so what they said on this call is, they have more opportunity to open stores now than at any time in their history as a company. Their pipeline is full, and they expect to go from, I think it's 29 stores now, to over 50 at the end of 2021. And they said that was conservative because there was a question on the call about the pandemic and will that slow them down. They think that number is conservative. 
So everything was there for this stock to go higher. And so if you've missed it, you didn't buy it at 350 with us, you didn't buy it at $7 and change with us. What do you do now with the stock above 13? Um, I think this last earnings announcement completely resets. There's a whole new category of capital that's going to be coming into the stock now. As I talk about that pyramid, let me also say that stocks, believe it or not, stocks trading below $10 a share cannot be bought by a huge investment pool of capital. Like there are rules and regulations for certain institutions where they can't buy stocks under 10. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. So when a stock goes above 10, you saw huge money coming in. Money that's probably, probably on the sidelines waiting to buy it. And when it saw it go above 10, it started dumping money in. And the stock closed at 13 and change. Now, look, the stock could easily come back down to 10 and make a base in here and set up another opportunity. I don't know what it's going to do next week. Okay? If you're concerned about a pullback, then book some profits here. Okay? But what I'm looking for is for the stock to trade above 10 for the next, let's say, 20 trading sessions. And once that happens, it will really be on the map of a whole nother part of this inverted institutional capital tier. And I think the stock can go a lot higher. So we're not buying anymore up here. Okay. If you're a swing trader, if you're very conservative and you don't want to see the stock go down, you want to book some profits, I get it. What we'll look to do on our trading desk is buy weakness in the midst of strength. I don't know where this run's going to end. At some point it will, there'll be a consolidation or a sell-off. When either of those two things happens, I'll be in the Slack room talking to all insiders saying, now's the day for us to add to this position. And of course, on Saturday, I'll be sharing it with you guys. All right. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I know I went a little bit long there, but it was a fun week, an interesting week. Let's get to some Q&A. Okay. Um, okay. What do I think? Um, Ethan was asking the question, what do I think about Barrick Gold, um, GOLD? It looks like Warren Buffett's initiated a position in GOLD. I, I think it's great. I think he's, uh, you know, a little late to the party, but always, always welcome the Oracle. You know, nothing wrong with that. Um, Barrick's not my first choice. Gold Corp is not my first choice. I think personally, Newmont Mining is better a better choice for capital. But, um, and that's strictly based on where Newmont is located versus, versus where um, uh, Barrick is located, um, where Gold Corp is located. So, but really it's, you know, it's fine. You can buy either one. Certainly not going to argue with Warren Buffett. But uh, anyway, so I think it's great. You know, I think it's great. And I think it means things are going up, you know. Um, uh, I don't think it means anything, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't, I don't really live and die on what Warren Buffett says or does anymore. And I never did. I mean, a, a billionaire running money doesn't really help me run money. That's kind of my thoughts on the billionaires, right? I mean, those billionaires missed the entire move up from the lows of March, right? And so I think it's fun to hear that Buffett's doing something, but it doesn't change my opinion on anything. And it doesn't mean anything's going to happen in the short term just because Buffett's buying things. Although I guess, you know, Gold Corp stock will be up big on Monday. Um, Deb, how are you? Glad to see you this morning. Thank you for saying that. Um, let's see. Love the ACDC shirt. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you. All right. Aurora broke the upper end of the downtrend in the daily. All right. Chris F., let me tell you what I'm thinking about Aurora. All right. Let's take a look at the chart. Um, I, I personally, I keep flip-flopping back and forth. At first, I want to own all these different names. And then at the end of the day, I really think if I can't make money in canopy growth, I, I don't think any of them are going to work. I'll be honest with you. So I see Aurora. It's trying to hold the uptrend. Okay. The stock doesn't look great. Um, but what really interests me more is Canopy. Okay. I'm really a believer in Cannabis 2.0. I really think if the beverages keep flying off the shelf, 
then that's going to make this stock. And if we can make money in, in canopy growth, you know, we can make money in the other names. Although AFRI is not about cannabis 2.0, it's all about the cheapest weed possible. So it's a different, you know, business plan at AFRIA. So I don't know. I'm not a buyer of it right now, though. Ken Vaughn, thank you very much for that shout out. That's right, guys. Become an Armor Insider. All right, uh, Brett, is it mandatory to use interactive in order to have you manage our trades? Uh, it actually is mandatory. I do my business through interactive brokers. So, I mean, it's not hard to open an account. It takes like 15 minutes. I just send you an invitation from interactive brokers and we start working together. Um, but, yeah, I don't do business through uh, TradeStation. I mean, um, TD Ameritrade. All right. What do you think about uh, Amazon? Oh, God, Jason. Wish I owned Amazon, right? Every time I look at Amazon, I think to myself, why don't I own it? Um, there's the chart of Amazon. It looks like a high-tech pennant is what it looks like to me. And I think this market's going to keep grinding higher, which means the stock probably breaks out to the upside. You know, that's my guess. But honestly, um, I like Google right here. I like Google. I like that stock weakness in the midst of strength, pulls back to the 50-day moving average. Stock stays above the 50-day. I like it here. I think that all the bad news on the ad revenue spend is already in the market. I think it's only upside from here. You know, we already know how bad it is. Now, however slowly the economy reopens, it will be reopening. Kids going back to school, some football teams not playing, other football teams playing. Some leagues don't play, but the NHL is, you know, open. I mean, over time, the economy is reopening and ad spend is going to go back up. And my guess is ad spend might go back up aggressively as the economy reopens because companies have not spent for a while. And so a name like Google, uh, you know, if I had a choice, I'm almost more interested in Google than I am Amazon at the moment. You know, truth be told, I'm also interested here um, in Roku, which to me is an ad story. It's not really a, a Netflix competitive type story. This is an ad story to me. And the stock hasn't really performed yet. I thought that was a great earnings announcement. The stock sold off anyway. But as long as it stays above the 50-day, I, I think this stock should be owned here for an ad business recovery. All right. Um, Power of prayer and love for humanity. What a, what a great handle. Um, what do you think about it? Let me take a look at this before I go over it. All right, guys, I don't talk about peanut stocks, okay? And certainly not anything China-based, okay? So um, my, what I think about what you're asking me is that I wouldn't touch any micro-cap stocks and I don't touch, touch any... Uh, China-based microcap stocks. That's like, like the worst thing possible to me. Okay. Is the current grind higher? Ken's asking. Uh, investment stage. When a stop is hit and we take profits when selling an equity and we roll into a new equity, do you roll the profits also or just the original? Hey, that's a great question. That's a great question. I'm going to leave it up to you. Okay, if you're a more conservative investor, then what you do is you start building up your cash hoard now. So you might not put all your capital back to work. You might just put back to work a normal position size and have a little bit of cash build up. When we're, when we're in the grind high, phaser, um, grind high phase and we don't know how far it's going to go or when bond markets are going to dislocate and we're going to get a sell off or anything, this is the time, if you're conservative, to start carrying a little bit of cash, right? If you're aggressive, you put all the money back to work and you keep going. And there's nothing wrong with that either. It really depends on the type of investor you are, okay? All right. Um, Francine. Hi, Brett. Hey, how are you? Okay. I, okay. Two, six. What went wrong with the earnings? Besides the China story, I'd like to go back in that one. Okay. So let's take a look at IIVI.
Okay, so this was an armor investment idea. We put the position on and we sold it <clears throat> right on earnings because the stock you know, wasn't working and it hit our stop. Um, and then you can see the stock went a lot lower after we sold it. So the, the problem here, first of all, when you say other than China, well, China is a big issue. Okay, they, they made an acquisition of a company called Finisar, uh, I think a year or so ago, and all of their manufacturing is in China. And China is an issue right now. So that is a major overhang. Um, I heard a lot of good things on the call. I think it's a great company. They guided a little bit light. Okay, so they talked about how their guidance going forward is light. So whenever you see an earnings announcement that looks great and the stock goes down, it's usually because on the conference call, they're talking about guidance and analysts don't like what the guidance is, right? So you put that together with the China issue, stock went down. This is why we use stop losses. Not everything we do goes up, right? Let's be honest. So you put a position on, you put your stop out, you take your position off, you put it back on your whiteboard if you still like it. And I thought it was a good, actually, I thought the conservative guidance, I don't mind conservative guidance. Sometimes I think that's a good thing longer term. I mean, Netflix gave conservative guidance and the stock sold off. So now I'm looking for a new entry point into Netflix. But for now, I'm going to avoid... Uh, the two, the two six, there were just too many moving parts on that call that are too hard to predict. Right. So, you know, you take a look at that and then you, then you say, well, what was the difference with this between that and this conference call? This was an earnings conference call stock went up 50%. Why? And I'm, I'm not, I'm having some fun with you right now. Cause it's just, it's this beautiful thing. And we've all made so much money, but in reality, why am I sharing that with you again? You want your whiteboard to be full of business um, ideas. You want your portfolio to be full of business ideas where it's easy to model growth. That's what institutions love. That's what analysts love. That drives stocks. A very simple story. And so I, ha I had the feeling that 2.6, that earnings call was too confusing, too many moving parts, too hard to model and understand. Forget it. Too much risk. Whereas GrowGen, it was simple. Their online business is exploding. Their commercial business is exploding. You know, all of these things. And so, geez, their roll-up business, they're going to be opening another 30 stores in the next 12 months. You can start modeling up performance, and that's why the stock responded. So um, for now, I'm going to leave two. I probably got to take two six off of the whiteboard, to be honest with you. Um, let's see. Okay, you're asking me again about um, the power of prayer of Chinese stocks. I have no interest in Chinese stocks, brother or sister. I, I have no interest. I've never had any interest in Chinese stocks. Okay, this is about uh, opportunity cost of money. And um, more importantly, to me, um, I don't trust the Chinese businesses. Do you realize that Chinese companies do not have to adhere to U.S. accounting standards? Why would I buy the stock? I can't trust their accounting. None of them. I don't care if the stocks go up. It's an opportunity cost of money. I'd rather put my money, my hard-earned capital, in an investment where I can listen to a conference call, talk to the management team if I have to, pick up the phone and call them, and they'll answer the phone, and I can talk to them, right? And I can trust the financials. I can't do any of that with China. It's just not worth it to me. All right. Um, Ethan, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Amen. Absolutely. That's the way to trade, which is kind of another way of saying you buy weakness in the midst of strength. Um, Ray, Ray, hey, Brett, any idea of what usually happens to a stock like Livongo after the merger with another company? Is it going to stay in the present range? Oh, you know what? It, it's really hard to tell about that. I mean, if you're lucky, somebody else comes out and bids for the company <laughs> and then you get in a bidding war and the stock goes up a lot. But that happens, you know, one out of 100 times. Probably what happens now is Livongo is just going to trade alongside of um, Teladoc because you're getting Teladoc shares. So it's best to look at the Teladoc chart pattern and figure out where do I want to own Teladoc? You know, and you can own Livongo if you want. 
But the risk there is, what if the deal falls through? You know, I'm sure it's not going to fall through, but I mean, I don't know anything. So I say, I'm sure I'm not. Who knows? The deal could fall through and the stock could go down. You just don't know. So at, at this stage, I'm kind of watching Teladoc stock. I, I love this business, by the way. Oops, I'm not sharing the right chart pattern. How come you guys didn't tell me? There, this is Teladoc. Okay. So I'm watching the Teladoc chart pattern and I'm saying, when does this set up so that I want to own Teladoc again? And I'll, I'll definitely put this position back in the account because I really believe in those two companies combined are going to be a juggernaut. I think they're great, um, but not sure what I'm, I, I'm, I don't own the stock now. I've booked our profit. We made a lot of money on Livongo and I'm just going to wait for a new chart setup and a new risk on entry point using the armor algorithms. If I pick up that stock again, All right? ID doc. It's very difficult to watch gold mine stocks being sold relentlessly in last week. It's very hard to weather the storm. Well, ID Doc, I hope you do become an Armor Insider. Thank you very much for that. I'm glad you find the information valuable. And we look forward to having you on the uh, Armor Slack trading desk. Mm. Let me tell you something. Um, It wasn't pleasant for us on the Armor Slack trading desk either because we didn't sell all of our mining stocks the week before. So we took losses. I mean, when I say take losses, I... A couple of our positions hit stops and we went to cash on them. So we reduced some exposure there, right? The other names held their, their, their key locations. And so we're still long at this point, right? And we took the money that we sold when we got stopped out of a couple names. We took that money and moved it into the leadership that is still in the uptrend and did not trip its stops. But it wasn't pleasant for us either. I mean, it was ugly. But you have to look at the bigger picture. Hopefully, you've been with us on this precious metals run since the end of March. So we're up enormous, right? And so if we have a bad couple of days, it's the way it goes, right? That's true about your whole portfolio, by the way. There's always a little fluff between where your net worth is and where your stops are. You know, we're not trying to top tick any of these markets because we don't, we're honest enough to know that we don't know where the top is. So we just, we let it ride. Excuse me. We book some profits when assets like AGQ or five standard deviations above the 200 day moving average. And then we just accept the volatility in between. You know, that's all you can do. Got to play with your strengths. See you Monday morning. <laughs> Ken, yeah. See you Monday morning. ID doc. We'd love to see you Monday morning. Okay. Um, what do you think about vaccine manufacturers? I'm not, I'm not investing in vaccine manufacturers because I, I, I like to try to manage my risk as best I can. I mean, there's risk in everything and we can't, um, you know, we, we can't manage all kinds of risks, but in, when it comes to headline risk, I really try to avoid it. I mean, what do you do with your MRNA position if they come out and announce the vaccine doesn't work, I, I mean, you're going to get destroyed. So how do you manage that risk? And are you willing to take that risk with your own net worth? I mean, I'm not. And so I avoid it. And if I avoid a stock that goes up a lot, I don't mind. I'll find other stocks that go up a lot where I, I, I can hopefully manage my risk better. That's my thought there. Right or wrong, that's just how I am. That's just how I run money. Um, let me see something here. Okay. Let's take a look. Um, have I ever looked at this stock MTBC? Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to take a look at that. You were on it at four. Good for you. It almost reads like a bit of a Lavongo story. Develops practice management electronic health records software. Not really. Not not Lavongo, but interesting idea. 
Okay. So it may be similar to um, uh, GrowGen, but here's the major difference between this stock and GrowGen. Okay. There's a massive amount of capital trying to get into the U.S. cannabis investment theme, and they can't invest in anything else. There aren't any other options that trade on U.S. exchanges that don't have to pay onerous tax bills that aren't violating federal laws. You see what I'm saying? So huge demand, not a lot of supply. This particular company, I don't know who the competitors are of this company, so we'd have to do some research to see who they're going up against to see where else can that institutional capital go to invest. You see what I'm saying? So it's a little, little different there. We'll have to take a look. What do I think of NAK? You know, um, there's a lot of tiny miners out there. There's nothing wrong with buying some of these miners, okay? But don't expect your capital to go up in line with bullion when you're buying mini or micro cap mining stocks. They're, they're really, you almost buy those. If you're going to do them, you, you just put them into an account somewhere and you don't look at them. And when gold hits $2,500 an ounce, you can have like a huge day where these stocks skyrocket. It's like typically when those types of stocks skyrocket, you're close to the end of the move, not the beginning. So I think we're closer to the beginning of the move right now. And so for me, I want to focus. I do this anyway because I, I like to focus on leadership. I like to focus on where institutions are putting capital. Institutions aren't putting capital in Northern Dynasty. But um, I understand that the, the allure of buying these types of names. My only comment to you would be try to, if you're going to do this in small and micro cap mining stocks, find great management teams that are connected to great mines, mines, M-I-N-D, right? Mines in the precious metal space. And those are the stocks I would focus on. That's my thought for you. Um, SME, let's take a look. I don't know what that is, my friend. Eileen, thank you very much. Yeah, everyone hit the like button if you like it. I appreciate it. Um, only the paranoid survive. Absolutely. Okay. It looks like we're at the end of the questions, guys. I'll give you another second to load it up. Anything else on your mind? And I'll, I'll try to get to it. We're over an hour now, so got to wind it down. But any more thoughts, I'll try to get to, and then we'll wrap it up. So Ethan is saying when it comes to something like a, a um, uh, MRNA or any of these types of stocks where it's hard to manage risk, he likes to buy, you know, at the money puts. I don't disagree with that, Ethan. I just don't like to, uh, I think options are very uh, dangerous endeavor and I don't like to share that conversation on, on YouTube. So if somebody's an armor insider and they want to ask me, how would I manage risk on something? You're absolutely right. I would say there are ways in the options market to manage your risk. But I think it takes a sophisticated investor to figure that out. And since I don't know all of you who are watching, I just kind of leave that, I leave that out. But if you're an armor insider, feel free to give me a shout, give me a call, and we can chat about it. All right, um, Deb, you're asking Tech Monkey. So nice to know your name, <laughs> Deb. Uh, is there a better silver investment than PSLV? I don't think so. You know, we'll end on that question. Um, when you say a better silver investment, um, and here's PSLV. This is Sprott Physical Gold. So a better physical investment, physical investment. You know, I could day trade or I could trade week to week the AGQ, which is twice the performance of SLV. But when it comes to literally investing, we own this stock somewhere, um, somewhere right in here. Is this the end of March? Yeah. So somewhere right in here, we bought SLV and Armor Portfolios. And we have not traded it since. We haven't sold a share all the way up because this is an investment for us. And as long as it stays in the uptrend, we're staying with the stock. And don't forget, if you hold it for more than 12 months, you can get delivery of silver bars if you want. 
The stock trades at a slight discount to its NAV, net asset value, and I think before this is all over, it will trade at a premium to NAV. Okay? Anyway, guys, thanks for spending an hour or so with me here on a Saturday. I really appreciate it. Believe it or not, I get as much information from you guys, maybe, as you're getting from me. You know, I've got a lot of great ideas from Armor Insiders. The community is getting stronger and stronger. You guys are sharing wonderful ideas in the Slack room. And then we do research. We put it on the whiteboard. We use Armor algorithms to tell us when the entry point is and what the stops are. And our net worth goes up collectively as a community. And it's lots of fun. So I look forward to seeing you guys again on Monday. Have a great day. Have a great weekend, guys.